like this, what we're doing like with Zoom mm -hmm. is just the beginning. Oh, you know, absolutely. it's like old school video, you know, that was like choppy. Like this is just the beginning of it. So at some point we're going to be having like completely new universes. You'll be able to put the Oculus on or you'll be able to put uh, contacts on that, that you can actually see through and you'll be a layered reality. So you'll be able to sit down, but you'll be able to have all these people around you or you'll be able to be in a completely like separate venue from reality and, you know, interact. It's, it's going to be pretty neat, but I still think that's maybe three to five years away. The key is to be there when it's time. So start preparing your business now for taking advantage of virtual opportunities. And that includes having a virtual office. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is this desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, George. George, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Michelle. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. So let's get under the sheets as quick as possible. And let us know who you are and what you love to do. Well, I have been in internet marketing space for a very long time, uh, launching a lot of different products and businesses. I've done a lot of physical products. We've done magazines and books. And about mm, seven years ago, we moved from doing media and magazines and digital events and whatnot into totally digital events. And of course, that was before the pandemic. So that allowed us to be positioned very well uh, for when everyone's ready to do these digital things. No one knew what to do and how to do it. So uh, we've been putting on some pretty amazing events for a really long time. That's what we do. Nice. I love it. So how did you get into events per se? Yeah, my first, uh, my first virtual event was kind of like a quasi-membership virtual event. I think I'd launched it in, I want to say 2000, 2003, something like, start to forget about that time, you know, 20 years ago. It's, I don't remember that well. Uh, but it was a, a virtual event for drummers. So I interviewed a bunch of drummers in the new in LA and from all over the world. And we called it Drum Pro. And uh, I coupled that with some like lessons on how to play drums. And we launched that. And it was <laughs> like a, a couple of lessons. So, a couple of lessons. <laughs> so what you were know? you interviewing them on, if not playing? Well, just like what they're doing. Uh, I had this crazy idea for writing a book about all these amazing stories from the road. Um, and I said, well, why don't I just do that in an interview series and start asking these crazy stories? Like, what is it that you, uh, what's one of those memorable times you got to like the backstage stuff? Because everyone wants to go to the backstage and like, what are you working on now? So for drummers as well, like, like what are you doing to get your speed up and, and uh, all that fun stuff. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun, actually. And that turned into a membership where people just, they stayed for a really long time. And that was my first entry into like digital marketing and, and like online business. And from there, it grew into lots of different things, courses and big email newsletters, and like all kinds of things from that. But that was my first like real step into it. 
Nice. I love that. Well, and before we move on into modern times, got to know, did any of them spill the beans on their stories? Yeah, but I've been sworn to secrecy for some of them. <laughs> there was a lot more interesting conversations happening public, offline. But... <laughs> yeah, well, there was some of that like, uh, this is being recorded, right? I'm like, well, let me turn the recorder off for a minute. And then you get the real deal. Uh, I heard some very interesting stories about Ringo Starr and those cats uh, from way back when. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Nice. So, peeps, you're going to have to go and pay for the membership in order to find out what those are, or hunt it down somewhere if it still exists. So, when, moving on to kind of the event thing, what made you decide to transition over? Well, there's been a lot of talk about like self driving cars. And I've just been, I watched the, I don't know, like the, the writing on the wall you know, to kind of see where we're, we're headed. Cause I've always been that guy that's been behind the trend. Like I thought of that so long ago, but I didn't do anything about it. Dag on it. And then someone else makes a hundred million dollars with that idea. And I said, well, this time I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to watch the trends. And I started seeing us moving from a reading based economy for content marketing to more of a listening and consuming through our eyes and ears based economy. So I said, okay, I think we're going to probably go there. And then with the self-driving cars and everything else, just, it makes total sense. People are going to be like, chilling out as they're going to the Miami airport, like listening to an audio book or whatever. Um, I still want to know where my Jetson car is. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. common. Just wait. Metaverse <laughs> is here and it's, uh, it's all around us. You just can't see it right now. Um, like the, the multiverse thing. So when we started getting out of that area, I started saying, okay, like it's way easier to create content this way. And it's also a neat, it's a neat way of getting into people's lives that normally wouldn't let you into their lives. And you probably know this with the podcasting world. Um, when you ask someone for 15 minutes, you know, their consulting fees all of a sudden come out, but get them on a podcast, get them on a summit interview or those types of things. Like they'll spend an hour with you and they just like, they spill it, all of it. And it's like, you can ask them all kinds of amazing questions. So a curious mind makes the best interviewer. So I would say always coming in with a beginner's mind or a curious mind, uh, you can create some some amazing content and get some great things for yourself, even in your own business to use. And that's, we started that process to say, how, who else, if I need this, who else needs this too? You know, and that's why we say, okay, let's create a product that we can use, but then let's also sell that product as I well. I love that. So who do you find uses it the most? Who benefits and who do you love to work with? Yeah, I, I think everyone benefits. The way that I, I built our model for our summits is the speakers themselves they get a lot of exposure because our events, most people that have been to a virtual event, they'll see, you know, 50 to two, maybe 500 people there. And they're like, well, that was a really big event. Our events are 10,000 or more people virtually. So that's like the average event. There's some that go like 4,000, 5,000, but then there's some that go like 50,000. So there, we kind of err on that side of being a little bit bigger. And we're trying to change the business model for <laughs> virtual events a little bit bigger, right? Size doesn't matter or does it? I, yeah, I don't think events? any woman's ever complained of anybody that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll move on from that question. <laughs> <laughs> will we? Will we? Oh, okay. So this is, uh, this is all right. Everything goes, right? That's what you said. Just say everything so. goes. So, you know, yeah. come on. We got we to gotta intrigue people somehow. Otherwise, you know, it just makes it normal. It's just any other podcast at that point. Oh, nothing's worse than normal. So when it comes to having that many people in a venue, I'm, I'm assuming that those are virtual events that you're having like yep. 50,000 people at. What are your plans moving into the future? Are you going to continue to do those or? Yeah, um, we have no plans of stopping. We're doing about 40 or 50 events a year right now. We, we used to just do our own by ourselves. And then people started asking us like, what are you doing? Like, can you help me with my event? And I said, well, yeah, I'll, just, I'll help you out. Like, be my friend. 
And then they started getting crazy, like a 25,000 people in their event. Like, you need to be teaching this stuff, man. I'm like, oh, I don't know. There's a bunch of people out there teaching this stuff already and they're not doing a good job. I don't know. But then eventually I said, I probably should do it. So that's why we started working with people. Instead of teaching it, we're actually partnering with people. So it's a bit of a different model where, where we make sure we get skin in the game, they get skin in the game. Because it's the only way I think the people actually will go to the finish line is if you drag them across the finish line in some cases. And I didn't want our name to get you know, put in the, the barrel with all the people who are not really teaching the right stuff because someone didn't finish their program. Like, oh, I bought that. That didn't work. Like, I didn't want that to happen. So that's where we go. So where we're going in the future to answer your question is virtual reality, metaverse. It's, uh-huh. it's going to be crazy where we're headed. Uh, and we're already in some associations. We're watching what's happening. Like this, what we're doing like with Zoom mm-hmm. is just the beginning. Oh, you know, absolutely. it's like old school video, you know, that was like choppy. Like, this is just the beginning of it. So at some point we're going to be having like completely new universes. You'll be able to put the Oculus on, or you'll be able to put uh, contacts on that, that you can actually see through and you'll be a layered reality. So you'll be able to sit down, but you'll be able to have all these people around you, or you'll be able to be in a completely like separate venue from reality and, you know, interact. It's, it's going to be pretty neat, but I still think that's maybe three to five years away. The key is to be there when it's time. So start preparing your business now for taking advantage of virtual opportunities. And that includes having a virtual office. That's super important. If you don't have a virtual office right now, you're losing out on like amazing talent. People who just don't want to go back to work. They don't want to be babysat, you know, at for a nine to five job. They want to have flexibility and freedom and they want to work from Thailand where it's $500 a month to live, you know, or whatever the scenario is. So you need to be, people need to be thinking in the business space of like, how do I take advantage of this opportunity that w- that's right in front of us and uh, you'll move into that space. Nice. I love it. So do you have any particular neighborhoods that you've bought into but, <laughs> that you're suggesting that people should buy land in? You mean the metaverse part? Yep. Uh, no, not really. My recommendation <laughs> is uh, get a good microphone, get a good camera <laughs> and start getting familiar with, with what's going on. I would suggest though that anyone who's not in crypto yet should be getting some crypto because the crypto itself is what's going to power the metaverse moving forward. And everyone says, well, I, c- I could have bought Bitcoin when it was like 15 cents. It's still 15 cents comparatively to where it's going, right? It's going to go next. So keep that in mind. Like it will always keep increasing. Inflation is never going to stop. You know, the governments are going to keep printing money. Crypto will keep being worth more money and more valuable because it's just, it's the nature of the, the universe we live in, whether it's metaverse or physical verse, right? There is definitely an interesting economic (laughs) twist going on, but we won't go into that conversation at this point. So when it comes to, because I've seen um, people do demonstrations of going into the metaverse, having virtual coffee, going to a stand-up show, you know, people are having concerts, people are putting on mega concerts Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the metaverse, and there's like, Tons of money going around there right now, especially in the entertainment world and in the sporting world, which I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're saying the business world is going to be on par with that or slightly behind, or do you see them taking over? What do you yeah. see them doing? So here's what I would say. I know you're, all your listeners are going to love this. Watch the porn industry. <laughs> They're the ones that, uh, honestly, like this thing we're doing right now would not yep. exist without porn. Mm-hmm. YouTube would not exist without porn. And it's like, it's whether you like it or you don't like it, 
It's true. That's what moves. I mean, that's it's been around for a really long time, thousands of years. People have been doing porn in one shape or another, right? Uh, whether it's hanging off of a vine doing it or hanging off of a pole doing it, it's, it's going to happen either way. So uh, I would say watch what they're doing because if you can, you don't have to frequent the sites, but if you, at least you can see what's going on. <laughs> You must have an OnlyFans account and you must have 3,000 credits. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't know anything about OnlyFans. Trust me. I don't know what I mean. Um, but because they're the ones that are driving the, think about this. That's what drives the economy. That's what's driving the digital economy right now. So whatever happens there, usually between, I would say three to five years later, it mm -hmm. seeps its way into marketing because marketers will catch wind of what's going on over there. And they'll start saying, how can I use this? How can I leverage this in my business? Mm -hmm. And that's where you'll start to see that drift and that drift will start to become the mainstream. And then it starts to grow from there. So I would say, watch, watch that. And you'll kind of get an idea of where things are going to head. Well, I'm having flashbacks of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Um, forget what the name of the one was, but they're in the reality tube. It wasn't just the glasses. It was a tube. And basically they'd pay to go in the tube and <laughs> do the thing. And <laughs> it's like, wow, yep. reality. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a lot of that. There's gonna be a lot, gonna of, be a lot of that. <laughs> and that's population control right there, right? You want to control the population, <laughs> like bring the population down, just give everyone like porn and dolls to deal with, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, because God knows they won't stop touching themselves. So you may as well <laughs> let yeah. them do that. <laughs> that's hilarious. So getting back to the whole summits and things. And when you're using huge numbers like 50,000 people at an event. I'm assuming that somebody that's kind of listening to this and going, hey, I'm just starting off on it. Somebody told me it was a good idea that I might want to do it. I don't even know how my audience would respond to a, a summit. What do you have to say to those beginners? Well, first off, um, anything the mind can perceive, it can achieve. Don't think you can't do this. Uh, and it sounds like too great. Like I can never do that type of thing. Well, the truth is anyone can do it. It just takes planning strategic planning, but it also takes um, making some mistakes along the way and just jumping in and making it happen. So what I would suggest is this: start small. If you have a small list, start small, do your own virtual event. Like what I'm talking about, 50,000 people, we're not putting those people on Zoom because even uh, Tony Robbins on the live events, I think he maxes out about 20, 25,000 people. That's about, if you, if you know what goes into making an event like that, it's literally like 300 computers running a live zoom room and they're all linked together and they're streaming. It's really complicated to do that. What we're talking about is pre-recorded events. And I've done pretty much every different type of digital event that you can imagine. The easiest thing to do. I've been on planes, like flying overseas when our summer summits launch. And it's like, you don't have to be there live because it doesn't require you to be there. People don't show up. People flake out. It can be really like nerve wracking. If you're waiting for people to do something, they don't follow through. So you pre-record your interviews and it doesn't have to be 30 or 50 interviews. It could be 10. Could be 20, doesn't have to be that many, but all around a pain point. Like, say you have a, a general pain point. Let's pick one. Uh, let's talk metaverse, right? So, people want to know how to take advantage of metaverse. You do an event about that. Like, what are the pains and fears and frustrations people have? Like, what crypto should I buy in, to use in metaverse? It, what land should I buy? You mentioned that earlier, Michelle, uh, in the metaverse. How do I monetize that land? Is anyone buying this stuff? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even talking about gear, goggles, or what, what's the scenario? Like, how do people? get into them. How do I bring my customers into the metaverse if it's a business related event, right? How do I, what kind of safeguards are there for my customers? Like if there's kids and stuff like that, what kind of liabilities do I have? What happens if someone does something really bad, you know, in the metaverse? I'm not sure what that would look like yet, but 
if they did something bad to somebody else, like, are you liable? Like these are some pains, fears, and frustrations people have. So you build topics around some of those. And what happens is when someone hits the page and they read it and they say, wow, how'd you know what I was thinking? I was just talking to my spouse the other day about this. And like, yeah, I need to be on this event. And it, it creates a very high conversion rate uh, for people to get on. You just have them opt in. So you do it for free, do all these events for free, and then charge them for the recordings. If they want the recordings and it's, it's counterintuitive. Most businesses like would say, what? I'm not going to dry someone's clothes for free and then charge them only if they like it, you know, like a dry cleaner. But I'll tell you what, if you do that, you will make more money because we've tested this out. I'm not saying dry people's clothes for free, but I'm just saying <laughs> in general, and that might actually work. I mean, that might be completely change your industry. But uh, when you do this with uh, the digital events, people generate reciprocity. They, they want to do something because you're giving them something of such value. Don't let anyone pitch on your summit because then it becomes a pitch fest. No one likes those. You want to keep control of the conversation that's happening and just deliver value and then give them some, give them an opportunity to buy that puts them into your funnel. Of course, if you want to, Michelle, we can go a little bit deeper into this, like funnel stuff, like upsells and how to maximize the revenue potential if you have time. Sure. But that's that's the first know. step into it. Okay, here we go. Um, your, your upsell funnel, you should make sure that it's set up on a platform that does one clicks, which means you can do one click, add it to your order. Everyone's seen the, uh, the Amazon thing where, hey, just other people bought this and add that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's shopping cart technology. Those conversion rates are super, super low. What you want to do is just give them one offer at a time. Yes, no decisions, not A, B, or C decisions. Tested thousands of times, it, you will always convert better with yes and no decisions. This means, do you want to buy the Summit VIP Pass or not? VIP Pass would be $37 to $97. That gets the recordings, notes, and some bonuses, right? They say yes, goes into a page, says, congratulations, we're going to send your VIP Pass shortly. But before you go, you might want to do this, you know, or you might want to buy this because this is going to help you get speed, you know, get speed to that solution, which could be like, we're going to give you a step-by-step -step process of how to get online in the metaverse, how to make the right investments. We have a whole digital course. That's when you sell your digital program about the metaverse. Keep in mind, we talked about the summits, right? So if the summits about a metaverse type of thing, you're, you're giving them all of the pains, some solutions, they can solve their own problems. You're not just like poking the pain and that's it. You're giving them a, a speed. How do they get there faster? How do they get the end result that they want faster? And then you can do a thing called automation. That'd be your second upsell. They just click one button, which is they go to the next next thing. Say, so, yeah, I want that. They add that to their order. They click no. You can still send them the same you know, offer. The next offer might be, well, you don't have to do anything. We'll set it up for you. We'll set up your whole metaverse thing for you. You'll be part of our consulting program. Maybe it's a high-end mastermind, whatever those things might be. It's, you want to make it really easy, like lower the friction for them to click on the button and reverse the risk. Don't be afraid of giving people a 90-day, a six-month, or a one-year guarantee. People freak out about that. They're like, that I talk about like, well, I don't know if I want to give my best stuff. They have all my intellectual property. If you, if you give them like, well, yeah, I'll give you this to you for seven days. They're going to remember in seven days to cancel. They're going to take your intellectual property and they're going to download it and then they're going to cancel it. If you give them 90 days, they forget about it. Everyone's attention spans like this big now, mm -hmm. you know, and the, I mean, you got where they downloaded. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? They'll buy it again. Exactly. It's crazy. You know how many times you bought something, the same thing later on. You're like, I, I bought that already. I dang on it. You know, and it's just not worth like haggling over a small amount of price, you know, in, in those cases. And that stuff adds up. So that's how you would start the process of doing the funnels. And it can be a lot more complicated if you want it to be, but it doesn't have to be. It can be very simple. Every upsell that you put in place will double your revenue. So for example, let's say you make $30,000 from the front of the summit or $100,000. let us just take a $30,000 example. 
if you put one up cell in front of it and you do a 3x multiplier, which means if the summit is $97 for the VIP pass, then you sell them a course for $297. If it's a good converting offer, you will double the amount of money you make. So now you'll make 60,000 total. You'll make 30,000 from the back end and only 10% or 30% of the people who bought will buy the second one. But that's all you need because remember, there's a 3x multiplier. You do the same thing for the second upsell. It goes to 997 or 999, right? You'll double your money again. So now you're up to $90,000 in revenue from that. And then if you do like a, a what we call a Hail Mary offer, which is like the 15K, the 25K mastermind or whatever the scenario, coaching type of thing, you'll have a few people take that, but that'll put you over into the six figure range. And keep in mind, that's from a $97 product that you're, you're giving away for free that people are buying, but they're buying all these upsells. And we see this routinely happen. So it's totally possible. I love it. And do you work with people to help them to develop what those products are and, and kind of how to maintain that story arc as I like to call it? Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we have to partner with folks because I don't know everyone's business intimately. So for me to try to teach that and kind of be there for some guidance, it's really tough. You know, and a personal coach, in a lot of cases, a personal coach is not going to be able to coach you through that because they just don't know what they don't know. If they've never been in the game and they've never been on the 50-yard line, you know, responsible for like the win or lose pass, they're just, they're, they're giving you hypotheticals of what they've heard someone else talk about before, what they think. So you really need to be in the trenches with someone. That's why I like the, the partnership model that we developed. So we're actually in there with them. They can talk with me about it. We, we script out and manage their funnel so we know exactly what's going to be on there. We help them kind of organize and, and uh, outline their programs if they don't have something really. And we'll actually set up their whole membership site for them. Like we don't charge them extra money. It's not like we'll give you a, a menu, like here's all the stuff. It's like we're, we're sharing revenue. So like, let's make as much as we can and let's impact people as much as we possibly can. So we just get it done. That's how we, we pretty much do that. It does take a little bit of effort. I would say this, if you want to try to start mapping this out on your own, all all sales, no matter what it is, is derived from some sort of pain someone wants to solve. So you got to get in there and say, okay, what are the pains that my avatar, what's the pain that my person I'm trying to help trying to solve? And it might not be the same thing you're trying to sell. There might be something that's connected to that pain that they need to either solve before they can fix this one, or maybe what it's the next pain that they're going to have after this one. So you can actually, that's how you create bundles or product pyramid of different products that you can sell people. So always revolve around the pain. And for those naysayers who say, well, I don't like to talk about pain. I want to be, I want to take the higher road. I want to talk about the good stuff. I don't know if you can be called a naysayer and say, I yeah. want to go for the good stuff. <laughs> but I totally get Honestly, it because once upon a time, I was like, no, I refuse to do negative marketing. I am not going to be responsible for taking people there. And then I realized in the digital world, people don't look to gain something. They look to solve a problem. For the most mm -hmm. part. And unless you're in a very elite area of things, and even if you're looking for to buy a Lamborghini online or a BMW online, there's still certain, you know, pain points. Like you don't want to look like a loser, do you? That's the pain, you know, <laughs> exactly. You want to get so. more chicks because you feel like a loser. Here's a Lamborghini for you. You don't want the red one. You want the green one, you know, because everyone has a red one, you know, exactly. so you want to stand up different. You don't want to be like everybody else. Right. So there's all these like little pains. You just have to take the, you have to drill down and find out what their big challenge is and help them overcome it. That's all we're doing. But you can't help them overcome something on a positive note unless you know what their challenge is. But you have to mention the challenge and you have to poke that pain so they know that that pain is not okay to stay there any longer because you've got a solution for them. So that's why 
you know, I was just going to say that build all of your marketing around that. Nice. I love it. So when they're looking to, to put on a summit, how long do you typically want as a leeway? Yeah, that's a good question. There are some people out there who teach or they try to teach the summit stuff and they say that uh, expect a year of your life to get burned up. Yeah. If you're doing it the wrong way, it could be a year of your life. But, you know, by the time you've done that recording a year later, that person that you did the interview with doesn't have facial hair anymore. They maybe they're, you know, they're divorced or now they got some new you know, marriage, like it, their life has changed. It's not relevant to them. So you want to keep in mind that it, you got to keep it relevant to the people you're working with as well. Who's on there. Cause they want to promote the summit. They're, they're supposed to be the promoters of the event. So what I suggest is spend about two weeks or so. That's not, this is exactly what we do. I'll just tell you what we do. We spend two weeks on copy. Six to seven phone calls. We go through that, and we like really get down to the pains, fears, and frustrations. We write everything out, you know, with our partner. Once that's done, we say take about four to six weeks and do your interviews. So I would say take one to two weeks and book your interviews for the last three to four weeks, and then you do all the uh, bookings back and forth. Because especially for a woman, for example, who's wearing makeup and things like, you got to get yourself made up. Mm-hmm. Or if you got to set your lights up behind you, you set all the stuff up. You don't have to keep setting it up and tearing it down, setting it up, tear it down. So you get them all done at the same time. I've done an entire summit before in one week, just like hammered out, book them all for two weeks, but in advance back to back with maybe 15 minute break and just do in- interviews like constantly for a whole week, be the whole summit done. Then it's six weeks of waiting. So we had two weeks of copy, mm-hmm. four to six weeks of recordings, and then six weeks of waiting. And the waiting is not waiting for us to do anything. The waiting is actually waiting for your affiliates to start to mail because you want to give them enough runway to mail for that. Mm-hmm. That's roughly about a 90 day window. So you can do a really solid uh, summit in 90 days. We've done them. Um, we've done 50 person summits in seven days from the initial idea, like, Hey, we're going to run a summit on the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. We would do that. And then seven days later, we open cart and 50 interviews. I mean, we didn't have all the interviews done. We were still recording a few people that were just like laggers, but you can do them very quickly, especially if it's a timely subject. Mm-hmm. Just try to keep your content as timeless as possible. You know, so it doesn't have to take you a long time to, to ROI. And if they don't have their content set up, like the, the upsells and the downsells, cross-sells, if they don't have mm-hmm. that all in place, I'm assuming you just kind of <laughs> conceptualize it. And then as, as you're in that waiting period, that gives them time to go and do any preliminary recordings or things like that. You can. It's not necessary. We've done, I would say 50% of our summits, we do without a back end. Like they're just not ready for it. But they're, they said, I would just want to do a build on my list build. I want to get some revenue coming in. I want to become known as a, and recognized as an expert in my space. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I want to do is like, let's launch the summit. Let's get that going. And that's okay. People are okay with that. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be done. Done is better than perfect. Because once you, once you get it done, you have EPCs, you have your numbers, you know what the conversion rates are. It's going to be really easy to relaunch that summit. And if you do it the right way, where the content is fresh and it's not timely, which means it's like anti-aging, right? Yeah, anti-aging technology is not going to change that much year to year. Probably mm-hmm. not any like major breakthroughs, right? It's going to be the same content. You're going to be talking about stuff that's happening in your body, talking about you know effects of the sun, talking about cancer, like whatever else the scenario is. You can do that. Like metaverse would change because we're such, it's moving so fast. Anything that's technology-based would probably change very quickly. General marketing wouldn't change. Raising kids won't change. You know, a lot of that stuff. So you do summits around things that are topics that people have had pains in this space for dozens of years or hundreds of years even. And then you can continue to relaunch those summits over and over and over again and get sponsorships even where they might want to come on and tap into that um, 
those audience eyeballs. So when you say relaunch it, are you relaunching with the same speakers? Yep. Wow. Yeah, if you don't promote or you're Mm -hmm. not a very good speaker, you can always replace them with somebody else who will. So there's a way of it kind of like it's calling uh, some of the the bad, I wouldn't say the bad people, but the people who really didn't like stick to their word. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot. There's, there's, I would say of every summit, 10% of them won't promote. Mm -hmm. But if you only expect 20% of them to promote, then you'll always be okay because you'll never be disappointed. You'll be, you know, everything will be all right. But that's, you relaunch with the same summit over and over and over again. We've launched a few summits now that's, I think there's three summits we've launched that's been like three or four times. We've just keep relaunching it over and over and over again, just within the last two years, by the way. Wow. That's not going way back. We've had summits that have been five years old. We relaunched same content and it made more money the second time we launched than the first time. And we launched that one twice. No, three times, three times we launched that one summit. So it did like 150 K, you know, same content. It doesn't have to be a lot of different stuff. Wow. Because I was going to ask you if, if there's a way to reutilize that content after the initial summit, but if you obviously, if you're going to redo it, you want to keep it in its original format. Yeah. You could use pieces of it if you want to for promotional material. Mm-hmm. What I would say is don't allow it out on the internet because mm-hmm. speakers will ask you, well, can I get a copy of my talk? What I tell them is, well, we don't give copies of the, I'll give you an audio if you want audio, but not the video because it'll end up on YouTube. Even though you say you're not going to do it, you'll forget about it. Someone will forget about it and your team will put it up on YouTube. And it's not really fair to the people who bought it. Plus mm-hmm. we're planning on relaunching this content like over and over and over again, which just means more eyeballs for you. And when you explain to them like that, they're like, oh, okay, well, no, I don't need it. I've got plenty of my own stuff, right? <laughs> so that just keep, keep that in mind. Like you want to keep control over the content, even though it will get out. Some people will just like download it or copy it or whatever else. It, that happens. Don't freak out about it, but try not to give it, make it easy for them to do that. Right. And I assume it makes more sense in certain industries to actually do a second summit because now you don't have the panic. Now you don't, have, <laughs> you're not hurting cats trying to get all the speakers to do their, their talks. And for the most part, I would think that a lot of them, like you say, are going to be, it's the same talk they do every time mm-hmm. anyway. So why not? just reutilize that and is is there anything to it was held in a certain month so we should hold it in that same month just in case anybody says october fall yeah usually they don't say that usually they'll they'll make a reference to a book that they're putting out or they'll make a reference to like pandemic or something like that so you just got to watch that and and make a note if someone's making those you got to edit that out you know or stop stop for a second be like hey can you start that over again but don't say that, but you have to make a note of when that happened. So your editors can go back and clean it out. We, we had this really bad experience one time, this guy, he recorded all this, uh, recordings, didn't tell us that there was any edits. Cause I'd say only 5% of the time that we need to do any edits to summit recording. It's pretty easy. Like you turn it on and you turn it off. You talk it's, <laughs> it's a conversation. You don't edit your conversation. Say strike that from the record. It doesn't happen. Right. Um, and we want it to be very organic and not be too staged. So he didn't bother to tell us. And what happened was we launched the summit and people started sending us emails saying, yeah, um, I think you might need to edit some of this stuff. There's some back background stuff going on. And I, I went and listened to it. And he was saying things halfway through the interview. Be like, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, strike that. Sorry, editing guy. Um, okay. Let's start that over again. And because I couldn't see it on the waveform when I pulled up the audio, you can't see that stuff. So you have to be paying attention. And that's, it was a weird scenario. Like we didn't work with him directly. He was um, a hired gun for a company we worked with. So it was like the influencer doing the interviews. 
So there was some miscommunication there. Uh, of course, we fixed it within 24 hours. As soon as we found it, we're like, chop, chop, chop it all up and fix it. But it was just a little embarrassing. It's like, uh, you know, probably 100 people saw it at that point because it was pretty early on, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> right. And hopefully the, the more forgiving ones knowing full well that it's going to be recording anyway. So it does, <laughs> just didn't matter to them. Yeah. That was awesome. So uh, give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories, one of your favorite clients you've worked with. Uh, let's see. Cinderella stories. Well, the very first person that I worked with outside of, you know, our own events, he was the guy that said, you need to be teaching this stuff. That was one of those scenarios where, um, he, I won't say who it is, but he said, you know, I I've never had more than a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account. Wow. He said, this has been transformative for me. They went on to do a number of summits you know, after this process, because they, they got their foot in the door and people started knowing who they were and they had something to brag about. Uh, again, I won't talk about the niche, but that niche, there was five of the same niche summits that year. And we were number four out of all five. And we did, I think two or three times more money than all of them did combined with that one. It, would, it did over $200,000 in sales at that point. And it's just like, you know, it was life-changing for him. Uh, his wife at that point. And they really like get them, it, they were already on the map, but they weren't on the map in that kind of a way. So that was a really great one. Um, other ones, I would just say people who really have a cause, they, here's, an, this is a really good one. I'll tell you this one. There's one we did with um, uh, a company that they have a nonprofit for healthy pregnancy. And they came to me and they said, we want to get this message out. We have a nonprofit. Like we want to, we want to stop like, childhood disorders and like developmental disorders before they happen, before the child's born. And we think we can do that in the prenatal stage. Right. And I said, okay, this sounds very interesting. So we launched the healthy pregnancy summit and they've gone on to launch and relaunch and launch and relaunch. They had honest company was one of their sponsors for that event. After they saw what we were doing, they're like, this is amazing. So Jessica Alba came on uh, and wanted to promote the event. Uh, so her, her CEO from honest company came on and did a really great talk about how amazing the the content was, it's like all doctors you know, talking about this stuff. So they've gone, they, they've turned that into a mainstay of their, um, their nonprofit organization, which generates a lot of their support and their revenue, you know, for the event. And I think that, so you can use it outside of making money. You can actually use it in a nonprofit event as well. You know, for someone who wants to just do a lot of good in the world, it doesn't always have to be like all about the dollars and cents. It could be also about the lives that you affect. That's awesome. I love that. And when you're doing it, do you find that people are kind of caught up on certain aspects of it? Like, oh, I have to have a headliner or I have to have this. Yeah, they say that all the time. They're like, oh, you know, but we just can't get anyone big names on there. It's like, well, you don't need them. Honestly, the big names aren't going to promote it anyway, half the time, you know, just mm -hmm. they just don't follow through. Uh, and the biggest summits we've done are not the ones that have big names on them. They're the ones that have I wouldn't say nobodies, but they're just, they're marketers. They have big lists. They have very good relationships with their list. It's really more important about the relationship that person has with their list or social media audience. That's another like false um, solution that people have. Like, well, I got a big audience. This person has 600,000 people. We had somebody, an influencer. I won't name the name. Everyone knows she's been on multiple movies. She promoted one of our summits as a, as an influencer, 600,000 people on her email, on her um, list. I think we had something like 50 emails opt in out of 600,000 social media, Instagram followers, like social media does not work when it comes to summits. It's worthless. It's completely worthless. Uh, what is worth is emails. So if someone has a very engaged email list, I'll take 
2000 email list over a 600,000 um, Instagram following or Facebook following every day of the week. Absolutely. Okay, so keep that in mind. And it's, I think, so important to understand it, especially as a business person, that your social media following doesn't contribute to the goodwill of your company at all. Um, in fact, sometimes mm -hmm. it can be a detriment to it. And your email list, however, even with unsubscribed or not unsubscribed, but non-deliverability issues that are going on currently, that that will get resolved and it's still you own that content and it's your ability to be able to upsell, <laughs> sell, downsell, reignite, re, uh, get people involved in your business again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say on the social media side, there's one thing I think it might be useful for, although I don't necessarily buy into this 100% because it's the time suck social media is. Um, people will look for you on social media before they do business with you. And I don't like that for the reason that you just mentioned, Michelle, because you don't, you can't control what people comment on, what people say. Like there's a lot of competitive people out there that will like try to put things in the comments or just like they just try to bring you down on social media, right? You got all those flamers. And trolls are real. Trolls. Yeah, they are real. They're not just in Dungeons and Dragons, man. They're real. <laughs> They're out there. I've seen them. They crawl around my neighborhood sometimes. Um, so if you don't have a presence, some sort of presence, it could be detrimental because we've had people come to us and say, well, you know, we were thinking about doing business with your company, but we went with another company because we looked you up on social media and we found, we didn't see anything. I'm like, yeah, because I don't waste my time with that crap. Right. You know? And then I started, I heard that more than once. I'm like, maybe we should start wasting our time with that crap. You know, so we started posting a little bit. It's still, it's just a time suck though. It takes so much time, but it's worthwhile to put stuff up on a regular basis. Even if you're spending, you know, 300 bucks a month to have someone just cut up little bits of something or other and just post them. It's better to have something than nothing in that case. Uh, that's all it's good for. It's not really good. You're not gonna make any money from social media. Like posting stuff on social media, trying to make money, forget it. You're not gonna make any money doing that. Uh, unless you're an influencer charging people to post on your social media account, which they're not going to get very good results anyway. So who cares? You know, that's, that's, that's a dying industry right there. Uh, this whole influencer thing on social media that will die out at some point. It's, uh, it's, it's not good. Yeah. Yay. Because <laughs> as soon as social media companies figure out that you're making more money than they are, mm -hmm. they will stop that. And then they will make you charge, you know, like they'll charge you for advertising, which is what Facebook did. You know, mm -hmm. groups used to be amazing. Right. Groups are not amazing anymore, you know, because they were losing that revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All comes back down to that mighty dollar. But George, you've been awesome. I could talk to you forever. You know that. And I know other people are going to want more of you. So how did they begin that journey with you? Well, you've probably already been on some of our summits and didn't even know it because we try to keep a low profile. However, if you want to check out some of the stuff we're doing, you can go to 360summits.com. You can check out the schedule link and you can see some of our summits we have coming up. We're always doing new stuff. There's uh, health and wellness, there's business, there's relationships, there's personal development stuff. There's all different kinds of aspects of things. So it's like, we, we, we love people who love learning and we want to help them on that journey. So I'd say, come on board with that journey with us and like, let's, let's change the world together. So 360summits.com, if you want to talk about doing a summit, reach out to me. There's a scheduled link. You actually talk to me personally. Happy to talk to you and see if you got a good idea. You know, maybe we can do something. If not, I'll at least tell you what to do and you can try it on your own. That sounds awesome. So I have to know, George, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Uh, I think I didn't even know it at the time. I was probably, I don't know, 10 or something. 
you know, t- buying stuff and then taking it to school and selling it. <laughs> you know, you trying to make a few bucks on the play side. With it and go, yeah, I don't like this anymore. Yeah, like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll trade this up for a better Huffy bicycle, right? <laughs> you know, so that type of thing, like paint it, get a paint job. I was rehabbing bicycles <laughs> beforehand, you know, all that stuff. So it's something that's just in your blood when you're an entrepreneur. You just kind of, you don't know it's there until someone points out that it's there. And then you rec- recognize, you know, it's been there all along. Hey, that's that crazy thing I've been doing. I get it. Yeah. Awesome. And I also have to ask you, there are times in an entrepreneur's journey where, you know, they do a couple of face plans once in a while. Do you have any of those mistakes that you've made in business that you found really funny? Really funny. Uh, you mean the very painful ones you mean? Well, <laughs> they might've been fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. From, from an outside third party point of view. Right. Ideally, you know, one that you actually look back and go, yeah, that was pretty funny. Oh man. There's just too many. Uh, I would say trying to do too much, trying to be an opportunity hoarder is I'd say if I was going to pick a common thread of the thing that kind of strings them all together, it's the opportunity hoarding that causes a problem the most because you're not focused (laughs) or whore, yeah, whore ding, right? Um, it's, Trying to do too many things and not focusing on one thing is really important. Like uh, I was in a mastermind and most people who've been in, in internet marketing space know the name Jeff Walker. So I was in Jeff mm-hmm. Walker's uh, Platinum Plus Mastermind for a while. Mm-hmm. And wh- one of the things he said always stuck out to me. And I really liked it. He said, think of your life as a bookshelf. He said, for you to put something else on your bookshelf, you need to remove a book. And I'd been, I've been doing the IKEA lifestyle. I just go buy another IKEA shelf and put more on my, you know, it doesn't work, right? You have to take, you have to figure out which books you want to take off because you don't get to put that book back on. Okay. And you should treat your business like that. Now I'm talking about a bookshelf that has 50 books. I'm talking about a bookshelf that has like five. Like what are the five things in your life that you really are that important to you to, to make progress and pick those things very carefully because you do need to remove one in order to put another one on there. So and when an opportunity comes, Look at the impact that opportunity is going to have on everything else in your life. And it's okay to say no. You should actually say no first rather than say, yes, let me think about it. You say, uh, I don't think it's going to work for me. And if, it, if you can't sleep at night and it's more persistent, then take another look at it. Nice. Interesting perspective on things. George, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I know how valuable it is. Any last words for our peeps? Uh, I would say people say fail fast, you know, and make mistakes so you can get out, you know, in there in front of things and make, make, be successful. Uh, I would say, don't try to fail fast. Just try to be strategic in what you do, you know, fail strategically. You'll have a backup plan so that you can always get back up quickly. Uh, And don't be afraid to fail because failure is actually, you'll learn more from failures. If you document the failure, than you will from the successes that you have because successes happen much more rarely than failures happen. So take those as learning experiences. I love it. Awesome. Thank you, George. You bet. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec, your mistress in business. Thank you for being here today. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and share it with a friend because, you know, we like it when you share. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. 
Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.